0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: When you understand that Jesus loves you and in His love for you, He died on the cross for you and He shed His blood for you and it's a done deal that He's availing Himself to you, availing forgiveness and salvation through Christ to you, anything other than yes, Lord, is no. I'm going to think about it, Lord. I'm going to wait till Sunday, Lord. I'm going to wait till the retreat, Lord. Anything other than yes, Lord, right now is no to the Lord. Y'all understand that? And so my prayer is that we've all said yes to the Lord or that we would say yes to the Lord because anything other than yes has been no to the Lord.
0: Are you rejecting the Lord by putting Him off until there's a more convenient time? Through today's message from Pastor Bill, you learn that putting off God is the same as rejecting Him. If God is knocking on the door of your heart and is giving you opportunities to receive Him, but you're not, you're actually rejecting Him. Pastor Bill explains that saying, Tomorrow God, or I'll consider this later God, is rejecting Him. Jesus says in His Word that you're either for Him or against Him. Which will it be? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Progressing in Christ.
1: Colossians 1, verse... Twenty-one, And it says this, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So let's roll backwards a little bit. In verse 21, Paul says, look, you who were previously right before you met the Lord, you were both alienated from God and you were enemies of God in your mind. Here's the interesting thing, right? How many of you guys remember when you weren't saved? First of all, raise your hand if you remember when you weren't saved because some people don't remember that they were ever not saved. Alright, so if you can remember back that far, you know, how many of you thought when you weren't saved, did you feel like you were an enemy of God? Right? I didn't right? When I wasn't saved, I didn't if you just said, but you were an enemy of God. No, I'm not. I'm not an enemy of God. I don't, don't, you know, I had some convictions as a non-believer, right? When I was at Dominguez Hills And I was a partier. I drank, I partied, I did everything. But I went to one party and the people at this party were, they had put candles out. Now I went because they had a gang of good alcohol. And I was like, this is free drink. I'm going to go get my drink on for free, you know? But I walked in and they were setting up candles and I'm like, well, what is this? What kind of freaky party is this going to be with candles? And they were saying, we're going to do a seance. And I was like, Nah, I don't, I don't do devil stuff. Like, that was ingrained in me. Like, you don't play with the devil. I'm like, nah, just, I left I I said, never mind the free drink. I'm not doing devil stuff with y'all. That's what I don't do, right? If you would have asked me as anomaly, are you against God? No. I'm not against God. I'm not mad at God. I'm not an enemy of God. I would have said no. But the Bible says that I was. And here's the thing. You're not an enemy of God with your words. You're an enemy of God with your works. Look at what he said in verse 21 again. And you who were alienated and enemies in your mind, look it, by your wicked works. My works were opposed to Christ. My behavior, my lifestyle, the things I did on a regular basis, those things were opposed to Christ. I didn't even know I was an enemy of Christ. And so that's the case for many non-believers today, you know. That's why we got to be careful as Christians when I, I, it grieves me when I hear Christians talk about non-believers. And they're like, oh, that's, was a, you know, the satanic and they, they we beat them down. And it's like, y'all remember, they're blinded to this, like you used to be. Think about how I would have rubbed you if some Christian would have came at you when you weren't saved, speaking to you in terms that you couldn't understand. It would have been offensive, right? I would have been offended You would have came to me as a non-believer and said, oh, you're, you're, you're a satanic son of the devil. You might have got punched in your teeth, you know? definitely wasn't going to go to church with you afterwards you know even though it might be true I know that's true because I'm my eyes have been open be careful how you talk to people that are outside we want to be winsome right what do I want to share with a non-believer I want to share the good news of the gospel with a non-believer I'm not saying we don't take the teeth out of the gospel we don't remove hell and damnation and all the reality but I want to tell you what Jesus did for you how you can escape all of that so back to verse 21 you who were once alienated so the idea of being alienated is that we were estranged from it means to shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy so we were just separated from we were estranged from uh, we were we were we had broken fellowship no intimacy with the lord that was the condition of every non-believer before they before they enter into relationship with the lord now paul talked In greater extent in Ephesians, if you're a note taker, write down Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I just want to read through these verses real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Write those down. I'm going to read them to us. It says this. Paul, speaking again about the life before Christ, he said this to the Ephesians. He says, and you he made alive who were dead. So before you met Christ, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So it says that we were not only were we dead in our trespasses and sins, we were we were going with the flow of Satan as because he's the one that sets the world on its course. Verse three says among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind and we were by nature children of wrath just as the other. We were all children of the devil, children of wrath. Then it says in verse 4, which I love, I had to say it. It says, but God. And God makes up the whole difference. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so, back to Colossians, Paul there's just saying, "Look, this is what you were without Christ." But I love the "but God" because God is God makes all. He makes up all the difference, right? Nobody woke up one day and decided, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm a I'm a pursue God. I'm gonna get my life together. The Bible says that God pursued you. He says you didn't choose me, but what? But I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And anything you act the Father in my name, I'll give you. Right. God says, I I started this thing. I initiated this thing. I loved you. We love him because he first loved us. And so we can be grateful for these, the, the, the truth of the gospel in this way. But back to Colossians where Paul says, look, you were once alienated. You were estranged from Christ. You were also enemies in your mind. And if you didn't understand how that works, he says, by your wicked works, the works that you did. And so as I were to look back to my life, apart from Christ, though, at the time I was unaware that I was enemy of Christ. I can look back now and see how that my behavior, my habits, the things I was encouraging other people to do, how I use my ability, my leadership, my relationships. Yeah, they were all used in ways that were I wasn't pointing anybody to the Lord. I was I was moving people away from him. So the Bible says this. If you're not with me, Jesus says you're what? Always know this. There's no neutral ground with the Lord. For those that are like, I'm just kind of in between. You're not in between. You're very much decided. If you're not with him by default, you are against him. God doesn't leave a place in the middle. You can't hang out in the middle. So I always put it like this: You know, for any guy that's ever had to get up the courage to ask a woman to marry you, how many brothers here have done that? By show of hands. All right. All right. All right. So it's it's a you know you. Hopefully, most guys. Most guys. I've seen a few failures. Most guys. You know, you kind of confirm beforehand that. That she's going to say yes, you know. You you might say, "Hey, you know, say, what would you say if I married you?" But <laughs> said I was going to marry. What would you? Okay, all right, let me get the ring now. You know, when you you just test the waters a little bit, but you know, it's kind of a big deal. I I did it at church in front of the whole church. Now I was pretty confident that she was going to say yeah because she had asked me to do it. No, she didn't. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I was fairly confident just because of the relationship that we had that she was going to say yeah. Um, but you know, once you get on the knee and you say all your spiel and I love you and I want to be with you and all the, you know, I threw the good drag out there and everything else. Once you get done, I mean, anything at that moment, anything other than yes is what is a no. If they say at that moment, can I think about it? That's a no. If it a maybe is a no, I'm thinking about, can I pray about it? If you spiritual, that's a no. Anything other than yes, you know, is a no at that moment. That is the same with your relationship with Christ. When you understand that Jesus loves you and in his love for you, he died on the cross for you and he shed his blood for you and it's a done deal and he's availing himself to you, availing forgiveness and salvation through Christ to you. Anything other than yes, Lord is no. I'm going to think about it, Lord. I'm going to wait till Sunday, Lord. I'm going to wait till the retreat, Lord. Anything other than yes, Lord, right now is no to the Lord. Y'all understand that? And so my prayer is that we've all said yes to the Lord or that we would say Yes to the Lord, because anything other than yes has been no to the Lord. And so we do have to come to surrender. So we were alienated. We were enemies by our, in our minds by our wicked work. Then it says, yet now he has reconciled. This is the work that God does. God reconciles us. Jesus Christ reconciles sinners to God through what he did for us. We were separated from God through our because of our sins, but because of the blood of Jesus, now we've been reconciled. We've been brought back together. Reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. He's the, that's the, he had the ministry of reconciliation over in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20. He says, now I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation. Now that you've been reconciled, I'm calling you to go out and see other people reconciled, pleading with people, come to Christ, come to God, have your sins forgiven. But let me explain how reconciliation works, right? In order for there to be reconciliation, there has to be separation, and so, and then when you heal that separation, now we've reconciled those that were previously separated. This happens in relationships, right? There could be a couple that broke up. And then if a couple breaks up and comes back together, we would say they've been reconciled, right? Hopefully, <laughs> that's, hopefully that's why they came back together, you know? They, they've been reconciled. It's, it's, they're back together again. It's, it's, it's made right again. I've had, you know, I have, a, I have a son. One of my sons has autism. And when he was younger, he would... He would run. He was a runner. And um, at a couple times at different churches, he would get out of the kids' room. And so imagine the terror when you go to pick up your kids from children's ministry and you're looking in the room and your kid's not there. This happened at two different occasions at two different churches. But we went to the room and we, we just scanned the room and we're like, I don't see him. It's not there. And you ask the people and they're like, what? They're, they didn't see it happen. you know, both times me and my wife split ways and we went to go look for him. Both times he was brought to us by someone at my old church. He was brought by a lady that we knew at another church. He was brought by one of the parking lot attendants, bringing him to us. You can't imagine the relief in the heart of a parent when a kid has been brought, reconciled. I was, cause your mind is going like, man, he can't speak. He has a disability. You know, I know the world is wicked. I know people do jacked up things to kids. And so oh, my mind is going, S-s-s-s-s-s-s-s. so as soon as I get him back, I'm like, Oh, just, it was, I'm grateful for the reconciliation, you know, the one time it happened and it's like, you know, they wanted to go sit down and a pop, like, I, I, let me go home But <laughs> kid. I want to, you don't really want to talk to us right now. I got to, I got to go get my wife and me together. It's not a good time to talk, but, but I got my son back. It was, it was reconciliation. We have him back. He's back with us. Now, when someone gets born again, they're back with God and it happens through Jesus Christ. We get to participate in that. If you're a believer and you're sharing the gospel and you're telling people about what Christ has done, you get to participate in the ministry of reconciliation. You can't provide the means by which reconciliation happens. Jesus has done that. But you can share the message that people can hear it and be reconciled to God. And so here it says again that yet now he has been reconciled. Verse 22, it says in the body of his flesh through death. To present you, this is the purpose, this is why God saved you, this is why God reconciles us, right? To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Y'all know this about God the Father, he is perfect, right? God can't look upon sin, there can be sin in his sight. How many of us could go before God in our own self? None of us, right? There should be n- Not a single hand could go up. None of us is fit to go before God because he's perfectly holy. We would just fry up in front of him. We would just stand there and it would just, like, shah, you know, none of us could make it. None of us could stand. None of us is, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. This is why it's such a big deal what Jesus does for us. Because one thing that, one of the things that transpires when we put our faith in Christ is there's a, there's a spiritual exchange. Your wretched, miserable, sinful, wicked, carnal, funky, messed up life. Jesus says, give me that, Put it all on me and I'm going to pay the full price on the cross for it. Give me every secret thing, give me every disgusting thing, give me every shameful thing, give me every terrible thing, give it all to me he says, I'll pay the full price on the cross. That's I do that in love for you Jesus would say. But then he says this. Then Jesus takes his perfect, holy, sinless life and he applies it to you and me. And so we get to stand before God the Father, not in we don't stand before him in ourselves. We stand before the Father in Christ. Amen. And so now we stand before him we're accepted. We're received all the things he says here. He presents us holy, not because we're holy. We're, we're, we're standing in the holiness of Christ. He presents you before the Lord blameless, but you know, you're not blameless, but in Jesus, we get to be blameless. Amen. He presents us in Christ. We get to be blameless. Then it says above reproach. That means that above reproach is the idea that no one could make an accusation against you and it sticks, right? Right. Everybody here has done things that if somebody were to see it and tell, they'd be like, hey, I saw her do that. And it would stick because you did it. But God says, look, I'd make you above reproach because all the things that would stick otherwise have been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Amen. And these are things that are important for us to know. Maybe you already know the gospel. Already got saved. You need to be reminded of what God has done for you because there's a progression that should happen. As I understand what he did for me, there should be a, a growing gratitude. For the Lord, there should be praise, should be easy for us as we understand what God has done for us. There should be service and, you know, just the willingness to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to be grateful to the Lord that flows out of an understanding of what God has done for us. It shouldn't get less. It should grow as you move forward in the Lord. I understand better today what God has done for me than I did when I first got saved. It was a big deal when I first got saved. I knew I wasn't going to hell, but I was going to heaven. I was glad for that. But now I understand even more than that. I understand better today, all that it affords me, all that God has done for me. So again, it says that he presents us holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Verse 20. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're a note taker, write down Jude. Jude is only one chapter. Jude verse 24. We just covered this the other night, but it goes awesome right here. Jude verse 24 says this now unto him. This is the the benediction of the book. Now unto him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude says he's going to present us faultless one day. And this is all, this is what Jesus does. He'll be able to, he's the only one that's able to do that for us. So as we come back now to verse 23, this verse has stumbled many people. It says, if you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I Paul became a minister but that if is a big deal right it says if you continue so what if you don't continue in the faith if you don't continue in the faith I'm gonna make this very clear this isn't teaching a works based salvation that's not what's happening here this is what's being explained here, right? If you are genuinely born again, one of the things the scriptures teach is that if you're genuinely saved, it'll be evidence because you will continue with the Lord, right? Um, some call it the perseverance of the saints and other things, but I, I just want to simplify it. You can go all the way through scripture and you can see this. Those that are genuinely born again will continue with the Lord. What about those who were walking with the Lord and then they stopped walking with the Lord? What about those that once professed Christ and then they no longer profess Christ? Were they saved and then they lost their salvation? Were they saved and then they lost it? What What about those who, there are people right now on YouTube that are saying they, this guy was a pastor, but now he renounces Christianity, you know? Was that guy ever saved in the first place? What do you guys think? Was he ever saved? Now nah, I wasn't saved, right? You you can't walk away. God says, look, not, Jesus said, none of those who you've given me are, are going to be plucked out of my hand, right? That means if you are in God's hands, can you be plucked out? No, ain't nobody stronger than him. He said, nobody that's in my hands is going to be plucked out. So if you got plucked out, you was never in. When somebody walks away from the Lord, I'm like, that, 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 you were never really saved in the first place. If you just need a proof text for this, write down 1 John chapter 2. Verse 19, first John chapter two, verse 19 is an explicit answer to the question of what about those who walked away that we thought were saved? they were looking, say they were talking, saved, but then they walked away. This is what John says. First John chapter two, verse 19. He says they went out from us, but they were not of us. They um, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. John says, look, if you were really saved, you would have continued. The fact that you went out only proved that you were never really in, in the first place. So remember that, right? When he says here, if you continue, it's because all true believers will continue. If God has placed in every believer, the Holy Spirit, anybody here born again, got the Holy Spirit in you, you still struggle with your flesh. Amen. We're still imperfect, Right. I know you guys are. I, I be seeing you on the freeway, giving the love hand. And all. So I, I see you guys out there, right? So, people, we mess up. We're still, we're still in our flesh. We battle with these things. But you know what? Holy Spirit's on his job. You, you can't go. You can't be what you used to be. I can't do the stuff I used to would do. I know that there are times that things happen, and I'm like, man, it's the Holy Spirit's like just it just shuts, it, shuts me all the way down, and I'm like. Well, people lucky I'm born again these days, you know, like I just, you know, my flesh is like, this is how we fix that. And God's like, no, 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 <laughs> not who I used to be. Right. Not able to do what I used to could do. Um, that's the Lord. We're not who we used to be. God, the Holy Spirit is, is working in us, not allowing us to just go off in the flesh. And then when you do mess up, right, you're going to feel some kind of way. There's going to be something on the inside saying, that's not how I wanted you to do. That's not how I wanted you to live. And so anybody that as a believer has messed up, right? There's a conviction of the Holy Spirit that sets in. And I've experienced that in my life, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Another evidence that I'm not who I used to be. I didn't used to feel bad about sin when I did it. Y'all know that? I mean, I, I didn't feel, I never sinned and was like, oh man, I shouldn't have sinned. Uh huh. When I wasn't saved, I did it. If I didn't pay a price, if I didn't get caught, if there was no price tag on it, it was, it was fine. Um, then I get born again and I think a bad thought. And God's like, no, nah, that's 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 wrong. And I'm like, man, you you, you inside me? You're all in my thoughts? You know, like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not who we used to be. And so, again, we will continue. It'll be this the evidence that we belong in the first place, that we're going to continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. We're not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven. Of which I, of which I Paul became a minister. And Paul says, look, now we're kind of moving from BC, all what God has done. And we're moving forward to, to the response, right? Paul says, look, I was once alienated. I was once an enemy. All the things that you guys were, we looked at all the things God has done for us, how he reconciles us, how, how through his blood, our sins are forgiven, how he's able to present us to the Lord. And God, Paul says, look, now I became a minister. That word minister means servant. Paul says, i I became a servant of the Lord. And being a servant, every believer should be a minister. Every believer should be a servant. But our service will look different. Our service will be related to our gifts and our callings. And so for Paul, his service to the Lord looks different than you know someone else's service to the Lord. Paul was called to be an apostle. Paul was called to suffer for the Lord. The day that Paul got saved. If you guys remember Ananias who God told to go pray for him and was like, Lord, maybe you don't know who he is. Like Ananias is like, he didn't really want to go pray for Paul. He was like, maybe you, this, this Lord, he's a bad dude. He's a really bad guy, you know? And God said, look, I know who he is. I know what he's done and I know what I'm getting ready to do in his life. He says, he is a chosen vessel of mine. God tells us to Ananias. He's going to preach the gospel before Jews, before Greeks, before, uh, before kings, before leaders. And I'm going to show him how much things he must suffer for my name. sake God had Paul's whole life scoped out. The day he got saved, God said, I know exactly what I'm doing with Paul. You guys know that God knows you the same way? That God could look at your life and say, I, I, got, I got a whole script laid out for you. I, I know exactly what you're called to be, where you're called to go, what you're called to do. You know, we got to figure out. Some people are so busy trying to figure out step 5, 10, and 20, and God is like, if you just walk with me today, if you just walk in obedience, I I got a plan, and and as you walk in obedience to the plan today, you'll end up where I'm taking you. You'll get there, right? Sometimes, again, it takes faith to walk like that, right? In the natural, I would prefer if God said, Bill, this is my will for your life, I'm going to put it in a piece of paper. You can scope it out. You can know this year I'm going to be doing this next year. I'm going to be doing that. I would appreciate that. That's how I like things to go. I want order. I want to know what's coming. I want to, okay, that'd be cool. If I had a head save, God's like, just walk with me. You'll walk with me today. You walk with me again tomorrow. I got it all figured out. If you'll just continue to walk with me. And so understand God might not give you all of that. God gives you what you need for today. What you want to make sure is that you're walking in obedience today Because your obedience today will prepare you for what God is planning to do tomorrow.
0: We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is CalvaryInglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's CalvaryEnglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again, right here on A Transforming Word.